Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to the Sports Garden Network Podcast. Your source for sports entertainment. Incredible sports wagering intelligence. Welcome, sports fans. This is Wagering Week. I'm Tom Barton. That's right. We are Wagering Week. You guys can go check us out at Facebook and Twitter at Sports Garden, G-A-R-T-E-N, 855, the number 4, G-A-R-T-E-N is how you get in touch with us. You guys can listen on iTunes, on iHeart, any of our syndicated affiliates, SoundCloud, SportsGarden.com, wherever you can possibly listen to radio, we are there. All right, guys, got a lot to talk about today. We're going to give you a coronavirus update to begin this. Uh, We don't try to sit back and talk about coronavirus and and, uh, the let's be the medical professionals and let's bring this. No, no, no. We're just going to give you kind of how the sports world has reacted to it, and then we'll move on. I have some draft news for you. Uh, We have what are the odds today? Very interesting. Bet to the future today should be very interesting. We're also going to get into a couple of – couple of interesting bets that you can make out there and I'm not talking about ping pong and and uh, table tennis and and you know the roach that might beat the other roach climbing up a wall no actual bets that are coming because we do have an NFL draft we are looking to maybe have an NFL an NBA season we are looking to maybe have a major league baseball season and futures plays adjust and they move all the time and you're still able to make plays on futures plays throughout this and I would be remiss if I were sitting here and telling you not to pay attention to futures plays. I think most of the sports betting world are not paying attention to futures plays. And when the lines are adjusting here, you can take advantage. There are gaps in time. Because the sports books are lagging, because the general public is lagging, you don't get the immediate reaction and the immediate line move that you normally would get. So that gives us a benefit that's not a negative here. For sports bettors, that's a benefit that we could be ahead of the curve. You always kind of continuously hear about flattening the curve with the pandemic. Well, we could be ahead of the curve when it comes to sports betting. Let's get into the pandemic, though, or the, the global pandemic. A couple of things that I want to point out, news and notes about it. This is not to bring you down. This is just to tell you, hey, look, this is where the sports world sits. Toronto Mayor John Tory announced he is canceling all city events event permits up to June 30th. Now, that does not include any sports, but the underlying notion there is that this is not a good sign for Major League Baseball, the NBA, and especially the NHL. In Canada, I know we're very American-centric here, but let's pay attention to the NHL here for a moment. Toronto is obviously a huge city. Uh, Ontario has no gatherings of five people or more. That is the strictest gathering numbers compared to any American city. Toronto now has the strictest date compared to any American city. They have restricted all international travel. I think it's very be, becoming very clear that the sports leagues themselves are not in a position to decide 
are we going to play or not? This is going to be by whatever state, whatever providence, whatever city, and, and really whatever country you're dealing with. And I think that's why we can say kind of all's quiet on the front of the sports leagues. You're not hearing any of the—you're not hearing Manfred uh, or Silver. You're not hearing any of the, the commissioners come to the forefront and give any kind of statement because I think they know they're not in charge. They are not in charge. Sure, you could say Major League Baseball will be back in mid-June, but if you can't play in Toronto and you can't travel to Toronto and there's no international travel and there's no ban, you know, no more than five people in, in these cities, well, you go, oh, it's just the Toronto Blue Jays. Yeah, I get that, but now that impacts your product. The same thing with the NBA and certainly the same thing with the NHL. I think this hurts the NHL more than any because Canada is taking very aggressive steps during this pandemic, as you, you can tell with the furthest date, the least amount of people gathering. And oh, by the way, not to be doom and gloom again, but they're saying it hasn't even hit Canada that badly yet. So keep that in the back of your mind. I would say, you know, where everyone keeps asking me, what do I think? What do I think? What do I think? I would say where we sit today, um, the NHL is in the most dire straits. The NBA seems adamant that they will get some sort of playoff going. They will get something going on. Uh, they seem adamant. You know, Peter Schwartz, uh, I used to work with actually, he tweeted out and he said, if they could come back in July, meaning the NHL, go straight to a very streamlined playoffs, maybe even just a conference final of Stanley Cup, that's what they would have to do for the, uh, for the NHL. So the NHL, I think, is in the most danger, if you're talking about all the leagues, because of the Canada reaction. Now, a little good news. The NBA continues to say they will get a season in. We still hear about regular season from players, from general managers, from owners, Mark Cuban, obviously. But they're also discussing neutral sites for the postseason. I put this on Twitter and I got a pretty good reaction from this. If you're discussing neutral sites for an NBA playoff, a finals, whatever you might say, they're thinking we can do three rounds of playoffs, have the finals in neutral cities. And they're discussing neutral cities around the country. Two of the neutral cities that I've heard dis being discussed are, uh, just jump off the page to me. Why not have the Western Conference playoffs in Las Vegas and the Eastern Conference playoffs in Atlantic City? Both of them have been discussed. If you are now a data-driven league where the NBA has an investment into the sports gaming market and you have an investment into the casino market, what better way to rejuvenate the casinos, the sports betting public, what better way to do that than to jump on giving the two cities that need it the most at this point? And that would be Atlantic City and Las Vegas from a gambling standpoint. And if you're doing it in empty arenas, which is the other possibility here, the NBA saying, well, we, we might go to a neutral site, but it'll be in empty arenas. You know, we all love basketball, right? We all love sports. But sports bettors are going to drive the attention here. Sports bettors are going to drive the watching public. Why not put it in a place where it's easily accessible? Now, I don't even know if casinos are going to be opened up during this. But it's a, it's an idea, and an idea that I've heard sort of being floated. I Once I heard the name Atlantic City, I said, wow, that would be great. That would be a cool way to kind of put everybody back. All right, let's talk about the good and the bad now. The Eagles notified their season ticket holders that they are postponing the next payments for 2020 tickets. The fear by the Eagles is that there will be a shortened NFL season. Now, Gary Myers came out, a friend of the show, 
says that the NFL will go to a 16-game schedule. They've already sort of decided that, so forget about your 17-game schedule. They're going to go to a 16-game schedule. Gary Myers believes, and, and I've written him, and I'm hoping to get him on the show next week. Gary Myers believes that that is absolutely unrealistic. It's unrealistic that the NFL will open in time. Just think about that. Kurt Herbstreit came out and said publicly, I'll be shocked if we have NFL football this fall. If we have college football, it seems less likely. I'll be surprised if we have any football. Kirk Herbstreit. I'm not ready to take that leap here, guys. I'm not. But there are writings on the wall. The Chinese government issued a new order just a couple days ago restricting resumption of sports teams. So all of a sudden they were up and running and now they've they've pulled back. I think the pullback is what everyone's afraid of on the good news. If there is some good news to all this, I don't know if it's just unrealistic or good, but I wanted to give you a, a, a little bright spot here. The win in Las Vegas are taking room booking, bookings beginning April 17th. <laughs> I don't know if that's stupid uh, or if that's just overly optimistic, but they are taking bookings as of April 17th. So that's your coronavirus update. We should have a, a segment. But I don't want to make too much about it. I don't want to be a show that just talks about it, but I can't just ignore it either. So let's move on because we do have a lot to talk about today. Uh, by the way, I mentioned the uh, the table tennis and I said it kind of tongue in cheek. Um, Todd Dewey, uh, the Las Vegas Review Journal, said a Nevada better turned $50 into a 9,676 thousand dollar win on a 10 team parlay on ukrainian table tennis ladies and gentlemen if you are looking for the great analysis that you could hit a 10 teamer in ukrainian table tennis you're listening to the wrong show <laughs> i i don't want to call him a degenerate but i'm not arguing if you do i, I think it's ridiculous hey congratulations for you i uh, listen that's a great win 50 bucks to win nine thousand dollars in the middle of a pandemic is awesome but we're talking about table, Ukrainian table tennis. I will say that here's what I'm going to say about the people that are really going out there and, and the sports betters are solving this kind of problem, right? Um, they're dedicating all their time to studying Ukrainian table tennis and the like. They're creating all of this to study that. These guys are a lot brighter than we give them credit for. They really are. All right, let's go into a couple of other topics here. I want to talk a little a little about, a bit about the draft. Like, let's talk about the draft because some things are starting to boil to the forefront and some rumors are coming up here that you're starting to hear. But I think they're rumors that we absolutely have to pay attention to. They're rumors that it needs the attention. And when we hear certain rumors, you throw them aside, and then you hear certain things and you go, okay, I, I want to I listen to that. Let's talk about the big rumor, which is the Miami Dolphins are looking to trade up to number one overall. A source has told the Miami Herald, that is huge. It's huge because normally when teams trade up to number one, number first of all, things just generally go bad. They generally go bad. It's not a situation that has a lot of success in the history of the NFL. Trading up to number one has a litany of bad connotation when you trade up to number one. But the idea that Miami can still not tank the season and go and still potentially go get Joe Burrow is massive. That's factor number one. Number two is I think this all tells us that Miami is really desperate for a quarterback. Now, I think we all knew Miami wanted a quarterback, but if they don't get number one, do they trade up to two for Tua? 
do they make a move at number three? So that's where we're looking at that point. Miami wants Joe Burrow. Now, normally, you kind of push that aside, right? You don't want to even brush. Ah, listen, number one pick, it's already done. People are wearing Joe Burrow jerseys in Cincinnati. But wait, 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 wait. Let's go back just a couple of months ago where I read a report that was massive speculation that Joe Burrow had told people he would not sign with the Cincinnati Bengals. Now, he shot that down very quickly. Basically being Joe Burrow, which is uh, as Joe Burrow as you could be, which is a nice guy saying the right things. He basically said, hey, look, I'm going to play where, where I go. Um, but there was a lot of rumors that Burrow would pull an Eli Manning. That Burrow would pull a John Elway and say, don't draft me one. I ain't playing for you. I don't want to play for this organization. Now, I don't I don't know if that happened or not, but just that mere speculation was there. There was also a report that I gave out a couple of weeks ago, probably about four or five weeks ago, where the Cincinnati Bengals had decided that Joe Burrow might not be their guy. And not that they were trading down, but they were having second thoughts. That was, again, quickly shot down by Cincinnati. Well, we're doing our due diligence, uh, whatever garbage that you want to say. So... You can have a little bit of conversation with this, or you can brush it aside. I tend to lean that if Miami wants Joe Burrow this badly, they can get him. And let me tell you why. This year, Miami owns three picks, the 5th, the 18th, and the 26th overall. They also own the 39th and 56th, two picks in the second round. One pick in the third round, one pick in the fourth round, three picks in the fifth round, one pick in the sixth round. Three picks in the seventh round. Guys, that's 13 picks in this draft, three in the first round. Five in the first 56 picks. Now, I know we all love Joe Burrow. And I know Cincinnati is is just uh, over the hill for Joe Burrow. And they love him and Burrow this and Burrow that. I get it from a Cincinnati fan base side. But take your heart out of this equation. Take your heart out of it. And let's have a conversation about what is better for the team. Is Burrow better for the team? Or is this team not just a quarterback away? I argue the latter. This team is not a quarterback away. They're not. They need defensive help. They need offensive line help. They need help at tight end. They do need help at receiver because they're going to lose A.J. Green. I think the only position that you feel comfortable in is Joe Mixon. So, sitting here, let's just have a conversation about what this could be. Now, again, by the way, oh, by the way, Miami certainly isn't just a quarterback away either. But Miami is in a much better position because they have a boatload of picks this year. They have a boatload of picks next year. They have a dynamic defensive back core now. All of a sudden, their cornerbacks look good. Oh, by the way, I really like their receiving core. I like Parker. I I like what they're doing receiving-wise. Uh Gazeki is a solid tight end. They picked him very high. Their offensive line is getting a little bit better. Miami needs potentially a running back, although Jordan Howard isn't terrible. Potentially a running back. You can get that later in the draft. They need offensive line. They need a quarterback. And they could use uh, probably some interior defense. But that's not bad either. They grabbed Wilkins last year. Maybe a linebacker. Miami's not as far away as Cincinnati is. They might not be a better team, but they're not as far away. So I'm going to throw a scenario out at you Cincinnati fans that are listening. If I'm the Miami Dolphins, I'm trading up to number one. I'll give you 
the number five overall, the number 26 overall, and the number 153 overall. That is two first-round picks and a fifth. You got to take that deal. Two first-round picks and a fifth to move down four spots. You got to take that deal. How about this, Miami? You don't want to give up two firsts? How about I'll give you the fifth overall and both seconds? Oh, you got to take that deal if you're Cincinnati. There are deals to be made here, so do not brush this aside as all of a sudden. I don't try to listen to rumors at this point because there's a lot of times this is an agent throwing this out there. Okay, but oftentimes with the number one overall pick, it's not a rumor because they have nothing to gain. What does Cincinnati have to gain by saying teams are coming up looking at Joe Burrow? What does Joe Burrow's agent have to gain by saying teams are moving up and looking at Joe Burrow? Joe Burrow's going to get paid. If he's picked number one overall, he's getting paid what the league tells him he's getting paid. So there's not a lot of negotiating unless you're not sure he's going number one. He's going one. What team he's going to has a little speculation at this point. We have a little bit of speculation on what team Joe Burrow might go to. I don't think it will happen. I make that very clear. I think trading the number one pick happens very, very few times. I think getting a franchise quarterback will be rough. But I think if you're Cincinnati, you've got to contemplate it. You have to think to yourself, if we trade number one and we lose Joe Burrow, we can still get Herbert or Love. If you want to take a shot that early, we can still get that. And if you're Miami, you had better make sure that you love, no pun intended, you had better make sure that you love Joe Burrow more than a guy like a Love or a Herbert. I think the one thing that we could walk away with all of this knowing is this. Number one, Miami's walking away in the first round with a quarterback. I, I, I don't think that there's any argument there. Miami's walking away from this draft with a, with a first-round quarterback. That's the first thing that we're taking away from this. The second thing we're taking away from this is that the Miami Dolphins have more draft capital this year than any other team, and they are going to use it to get the players that they want, at least attempt to. They're going to be a mover and a shaker in this draft because even if this doesn't happen here, watch them. They know they're not drafting 13 guys this draft, so they're going to package things. They're going to move up. They're going to make some deals. This is a very, very, very important factor to take away from. And the last thing I'm taking away, again, I know it's speculative. I know it's rumors. But when I hear rumors persist over and over in different forms, as is what's happening with Cincinnati, when I hear rumors turn around and they go from one angle to another angle and maybe this, and I hear from a Cincinnati writer that, and I hear from another writer in L.A. this, I hear from a Miami writer that, and I am listening to the story that's been going on for the last three months. The story that's been going on for the last three months is there is no match made in heaven between Burrow and Cincinnati. Whether it be Burrow not wanting to go to Cincinnati, I'm not sure. Whether it be Cincinnati not completely convinced on Joe Burrow, I'm not sure. But there, this is not a match made in heaven. Kingsbury and Murray, everybody knew. These two loved each other. Burrow and Cincinnati doesn't look like a match made in heaven. I am skeptical now that maybe there's that 15% shot that Cincinnati does not take a quarterback in the first pick because they're not in the first pick. All right, guys, we're going to take a quick timeout. We'll be right back right after this on Wagering Week. And now back to Wagering Week with Tom Barton. I'll bet you 20 bucks I can get you gambling before the end of the day. No way. I'll give you three to one odds. You're on. What are the odds? What are the odds? Well... We are still talking about Tom Brady this week. Oh, the big news in a in a world that's just dying for sports news. Tom Brady got his number 12. 
that's that's the the conversation. But guys, listen, Brady's going to be the conversation for the next year. So strap in and get used to it, right? I mean, that he is the talk. He is the NFL. So anybody that hated Brady and thought him leaving the Patriots would be good for you, you Tom Brady haters out there, you're going to get Brady in your face for every every incompletion, every completion, every touchdown. You're going to get to see up close and personal. He is going to be the lightning rod this year. But what are the odds brings us to some prop plays that are out there over by FanDuel. This is pretty nice. Tom Brady odds in regular season statistics. Let's have some fun with this because, guys, listen, right now, where we sit, this is something to we, we want to pay attention to. We want to have a little bit of fun, um, of course, but we also want to see if we can make some money. And can we make some money off of Tom Brady's regular season odds? Well, passing yards, these are all over or unders. If there's a different odds, I will explain it to you. So over and under Tom Brady, odds regular season, passing yards, 4,200 and a half. That is the over and under for Tom Brady for the passing yards. Okay, well, that's it. we'll go back. We'll, we'll revisit what the numbers mean. Touchdown passes, 29 and a half. You got to lay 120 to the under. Interceptions, eight and a half. Tampa Bay fans, won't that be a different <laughs> different number than the 30 that Winston just put up? Rushing yards. Rushing yards for Tom Brady in the season. 19 and a half for the season. Rushing touchdowns for the season. One and a half is the over-under. Plus 150 to the over, minus 170 to the under. So let's take a look at what those odds might be, shall we? We, well, we go back and we look at Tom Brady's career. The first thing we'll look up is that 4,200 and a half passing yards. Well, let's go back to the last couple of years here. Last year, he turned around and threw for 43.55. Before that, 45.77. Now, he only played 12 games in 2016, 35.54. 2015, 47.70. 2014, 41.09, going, going back now, 43, 43, 48, 52, uh, 39. So, since 2011, Tom Brady would have made this number in every year but two. One year where he only played 12 games, he was clearly on a pace to knock that out of the park. The other year was 4,109 yards in 2014. Guys, I love the over. I know Brady's in a different offense, and I know that Tom Brady is a different guy, and I know that Tom Brady's a little bit older. I understand all that. But Tom Brady also has a good receiving core, and the Tampa Bay Bucks they don't have a running back, guys. They don't have a running back that you feel good with. Arians loves to throw the ball. I know the offensive line isn't that good, and I know Brady's coming over. 4,200 and a half yards. I think this is a gift. Tom Brady threw for 43.55 last year, and he had guys like me catching the ball. He had guys like me as his receivers. He's got Evans and Goodwin this year on top of guys like Brayton Howard. 43.55 last year with nobodies. 4,200 yards. I think that's a gift. I jumped all over that. I love it. And you can call me a Brady guy all you want, right? Sit back. Ah, Tom, you love Brady. I, I am a Brady guy. All right, but I'm also a Belichick guy. So I, I just don't look at this as, oh my God, he's coming crashing down to earth. Now, could he fail because he gets injured? Because the Tampa Bay Bucks have no offensive line? Sure, of course he can. But guess what? 
Tom Brady's one of the more healthy guys in the league's history. He's always healthy. He's getting up there in age. I get it. But anybody could get injured. Anybody out there could get injured. It happens. So I can't consider injuries. I love 4,200 and a half. And I, not only do I love it, I think this is going to look ridiculous. Do I think he's throwing for 5,000 yards? No. Would it shock me? No. I think he's a solid 4,500. I think he gets this. Uh, I, I, if we're going to a 16-game schedule, I think Tom Brady gets us in 14 games. 4,200 yards in 14 games. I think you got a two-game cushion there. I love it. Let's go to touchdown passes. Like I said, it's 29 and a half minus 120 to the under. Well, let's let's look at Tom Brady's touchdown passes in the past. Again, I get it. Different team, different offense, also different receivers. But let's take a look there. Now, if I love the the over for the passing yards, things would say I probably like the over for the touchdown passes, but maybe not. Maybe not. Let's go see Tom Brady's touchdown passes. Well, last year 29 year before that, 32. Before that, 28. Before that, 36, 33, 25. Before that. So since 2013, he actually would have been 3-3. Three and three. So, no, I don't love the over 29 and a half. Not because of the history says so. That's just to back this up. I don't love the over 29 and a half because I think Tampa Bay will be playing from behind at times. That's why I like the passing yards to be more. You go to a worse team, I think they're going to have to throw it a little bit more. But I don't love that for the for the touchdowns because whether you realize it or not, uh, New England, when they got close, they let Brady throw. Now, I know that Tampa Bay doesn't have a good running back. I get that. I keep hearing speculation they want to add a pass catching running back and whatnot. It's just general wisdom is that if you get inside the five, you're running the ball. Inside the ten, you're running the ball. That's what you, most teams do. Belichick had so much confidence in Brady that he allowed him to throw it there. Why? Because he had guys like Gronk before last year. Take away Gronk last year, he would have been under here. Only threw for 29 last year. So I don't like it. I don't like the under, but I don't like the over. If you ask me before I saw these numbers posted, I would have told you, hey, Brady's going to have about 30 touchdown passes. About 30. And taking a shot at 29 and a half, not something I want to go near. Interceptions is interesting because interceptions is massively low at eight and a half. But it's Tom Brady. Last year, he had 11. And the big one, the last throw he ever had with New England was one. Before that, 8, 2, 7, 9, 11, 8, 12, 4. I mean, that's Brady. If he goes over, you know, it's 11 or 12. But he's had years. Look, I don't think he'll ever have a 2016 again. Many people are going to forget how amazing he was in 2016 because he was injured. Guys, he threw two interceptions that year. Well, he wasn't injured. He was suspended. Sorry about that. He threw two interceptions that year. Two. Two in 12 games. Coming back the next year, he only threw eight. Before that, seven. Before that, nine. So he's got that sandwich, but last year there was an 11. Look, I don't like this either. I think it's just very, very low. Eight and a half is a very low number. If anything, I sort of lean the over. But again, I have to go back to what I would have predicted before I saw the numbers. And what I would have predicted here before I saw the numbers, if somebody asked me, what do you think about Brady uh, interceptions? I'm going to say, hey, he's going to be right around 10. Right around 10. So I sort of like the over here. Sort of. But I don't love it. Let's go to... The all-important rushing yards for a quarterback. It is kind of ridiculous. But it's only set at 19 and a half. In the world of Lamar Jackson's, Tom Brady's rushing yards is set at 19 and a half over under for the year. But you know what? Listen, he runs a little bit, guys. 35 yards last year, 28 the year before that, 64, 53, 57, 18. 
19, 32, 109, 30, 40. Go all the way back. When you go all the way back in Tom Brady, since 2001, he has had one healthy season, one healthy season, where he only rushed for 18 yards. That's in 2013. One healthy season where he would have had the under here at 19 and a half. I love the over. I, again, I know he's older. And you have to take the age into consideration. I get it. But I also look at track record. I look at track record where I look at Tom Brady every year of his career except one, this would have been an over. He's got a worse offensive line. Do you think that's going to make him run less or more, guys? Probably a little bit more. Now, he may not have the goal line one-yard sneaks that he's so good for, but we're talking about 19 and a half rushing yards in 16 games. He breaks off one. If he breaks off one for like seven, eight yards, you're, you're golden for the year. I mean, that's that's reality of it, right? He breaks off one rush for like seven, eight yards, a broken play. The offensive lineman misses a block and Brady's able to scoot past, past the guard. You're sitting pretty. So I like the rushing yards over 19 and a half. And then we come to our final one is rushing touchdowns, which it's got a big vig on it. Rushing touchdowns over under one and a half. The over is plus 150. The under is minus 170. I can tell you just by looking at the odds, I'm not laying minus 170 on a prop play for a rushing yards for 40-some-odd-year-old quarterback. But the over plus 150 is a little intriguing to me. Should it be intriguing? Well, let's go look at Tom Brady and where we sit. Last year, two, year before that, zero, zero, three, zero, zero, four, three, one, one, zero. And a lot of lot of zeros in there. A lot of zeros in there. And you heard by my previous comment where I said, I just don't believe that Tom Brady's gonna get the opportunities here for that one yard push it into the end zone run. That was a Belichick design situation. And Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback in the history of the sport. I could put a period there, but I'm going to continue. He's the greatest quarterback in the history of the sport on those one-yard sneaks. We know that. But that was in a Belichick offense. And that was with Josh McDaniels. And that was with people that trusted a 40-some-odd-year-old quarterback to get that one yard. I don't know if Arians does. I don't know if he trusts them that way. Most coaches don't trust quarterbacks in that spot most coaches will not give him the ball in that spot especially a 40 some odd year old quarterback especially a guy like brady you don't want to be bruce arians and turn around to the glazer corporation and say yeah i, I lost our big guy that's putting butts in the seats tom brady because of a one yard sneak where i could have just ran it into the end zone a lot of the optics there are bad as well so when we're looking at Brady, you got passing yards over 4,200 and a half. I am loving it. I'll be all over that. Touchdown passes 29 and a half. Too close to call. I think he ends up with a, a little over 30. We'll say 30, 31. I kind of lean the over, but I'm, I'm not going anywhere near that. Interceptions eight and a half. I think he goes over there too, but I had him at like maybe 10. This is eight and a half. Too close to call. I'm staying away there. Rushing touchdowns over under one and a half. Too many zeros on the board for me. Too many threes on the board for me. I don't know which way I'm going to go. I know that they want me to go with the over at plus 150. They're enticing me with the over at plus 150, but I'm not going and taking those odds. And the rushing yards over 19 and a half, I think that's your best bet. I love the over 19 and a half. So I'm taking passing yards over 4,200 and a half. Rushing yards over 19 and a half. I'll be baking those two plays myself. That is what are the odds this week.
Let's keep it right here with uh, another 40-year-old quarterback and some news that came out. We're keeping with the NFL. We're going to move into the NBA in the next segment. But Sean Payton, in an interview with ESPN, now they're interviewing him because he had the coronavirus. He's getting over it. Luckily, thankfully, uh, Sean Payton's looking healthy. But he did an interview with ESPN. And in the interview, he talked about a numerous amounts of things. Obviously, the virus, obviously the impact that that's having, a little bit about the Saints, a little bit about the draft. He did speak very lovingly, which he normally does, about Taysom Hill. Okay, Taysom Hill is, is kind of his guy, and he uses him effectively. All things that you generally expect Sean Payton to say. And the topic of Drew Brees didn't necessarily come up. There's no worry there. There's no contract. There's no strife. So if I'm doing an interview, if I had to prepare an interview for Sean Payton, I don't think I would necessarily bring up Drew Brees as a topic. But Sean Payton, well, Sean Payton gave us a soundbite. And Sean Payton's soundbite that he said, whether it was a slip of the tongue, whether it was just maybe a mistake, whether he was talking in hypothetical, you make the determination. But this is what he said, and I quote, in Drew Brees' final season, blah, 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 blah. Whatever he said after, it didn't really matter, right? It didn't really matter what he said before or after that. He said Drew Brees' final season, meaning this year. He was talking about this year. Alluding to this is Drew Brees' final season. Now, Drew didn't say that, right? Drew Brees didn't say this is my final year. Drew Brees has never come out and said this is it. Drew Brees never came out and said I'm hanging him up. We all speculated. We all thought you're a 40-year-old some-odd quarterback. You have a dynamic team that could win the Super Bowl. We all believe that Drew Brees is going to want to win the Super Bowl and walk off into the distance. We all believe that he's getting up there. He's never said that. Sean Payton did. That's an interesting point, guys. That's a very interesting point. When I hear Sean Payton say that, and then in the same interview talk about Taysom Hill, that's one thing. And then we have the next story, which ties right into that. With all of the the draft things that are coming out, right, um, and the idea that, look, a draft is going to be held, but it's going to be held in different facilities, and, and you can't be together, and all of this. What's happening is a lot of these... Uh, teams are conducting a FaceTime interview because you can't have an interview with a player that you go on a draft. So they're having FaceTime interviews. Justin Herbert was FaceTiming with the Raiders. You know, okay, this is what happens. But getting back to the Saints conversation, Jordan Love has been a name that has been very much on the tip of everyone's tongue. That Anybody that talks about the draft is talking about Jordan Love. He is the quarterback that you go, is he the new Lamar Jackson? Is he someone that can be that guy? Is he that next player? Well, Jordan Love has been in contact and doing FaceTiming with the Dolphins. Makes sense. They're number five overall. Okay, sure. The Colts. All right, listen, the Colts got Rivers on a one-year deal. They'd like their franchise quarterback. The Chargers, the Chargers are still looking for someone. They're looking for something, uh, somebody to go out there and, and take a shot at the Raiders. The Raiders are doing their, their due diligence. They're talking to every quarterback. I, I think, uh, you know, they just love quarterbacks out there, obviously, Gruden. The Packers, a little bit of an interesting name because the Packers, you know, but they don't have a, a legit backup, and Rodgers is getting a little older. Okay, and the Saints. And the Saints were apparently Jordan Love's first team that he talked to. Guys, I hear things like Sean Payton slip and say Drew Brees' final year, and then I hear that the Saints are talking to Jordan Love. My ears start to perk up, and I go, I wonder if they're making contingency plans. I wonder if the Saints are saying this is certainly 
the final year, and we've got to be in a place to prepare for that final year. That is an interesting scenario. All right, guys, let's go bet to the future. We're sending you back to the future. Okay, all right. Bet, bet to, the, to future. the future. All right, guys, it is bet to the future, and we're going to switch over from the NFL to the NBA the new odds are out to win the NBA Finals. The Bucks come in number one at plus 240. The Lakers at plus 270. Clippers at plus 340. Rockets 12 to 1. Celtics 20 to 1. Raptors 24 to 1. As well as the Jazz 24 to 1. Nuggets 25 to 1. Heat 27 to 1. Sixers 27 to 1. Mavs 36 to 1. And the Nets at 60 to 1. Interesting numbers. Now, that's all that has been released. It has changed. It has moved. We don't know if there's going to be a regular season. I am in the camp that I believe that there's not going to be a regular season. Maybe they might have like a round-robin tournament to see the final teams to get in and squeak in. A team like the Wizards are like four games out of the playoffs. Yeah, they get a little bit robbed, but did anybody really think that the Wizards are doing much this year? And if you're playing in front of no fans, you can't argue that you're losing gate sales, right, and ticket sales at the gate. So... Let's only talk about the teams that were posted because these are the teams that are intriguing. Well, the Nets, why are they intriguing? They're intriguing because there is that small speculation in the back of people's minds, guys. There's that small number that says, does Durant and Irving you know, get healthy? Do they get healthy enough to come back? Does this matter? It does. Sorry, but it does. I don't know if either one of them come back. I don't know if the league would allow them to come back. I don't know what the rules are, but at 60 to 1, they're trying to get you to go on it. Look, here's what I'm going to say. If Durant and Irving come back, I still don't like them. I still don't like them. Mavericks at 36 to 1. The long layoff, um, I guess, can get Porzingis healthy. And I like the Mavs before the year. I told you I love Donkic before the year. The Mavs are a team that you look at and you say, yeah, the Mavericks, uh, they're a year or two away, though. And I don't think starting the season and, and with this delay helps the Mavericks at all. Very interesting two teams listed at 27 to 1 odds. Two very, very intriguing teams are listed at 27 to 1. And they're listed at 27 to 1. And... and I look at them and I go, I could see arguments being made to take a shot at both. And I'm talking about the Heat and the Sixers for very different reasons. The Heat were rolling. They were having an amazing regular season. Now, everybody sort of questions what they would do in the playoffs. But their regular season has been dynamic, absolutely dynamic. There are some questions, though. Question number one is, how will a layoff hurt a team that has been so on fire and so dynamic and going so well? I think the layoff has to hurt them. That's number one. Number two is that you look at this Heat team and you go, there is no superstar that can defend uh, what what the other superstars are going to do. Who, who's going up against Giannis? Who's beating Giannis? You know, it's just not happening. So the Heat has some positives because of, of how well they were playing, but I think the layoff hurts them. The Sixers, on the other hand, I look at the other side of the coin. The Sixers, we've had people on. We had Yaron Weitzman on uh, talking us last week about how— talented the Sixers are. The conversation of Embiid and Simmons, uh, just the conversation that these two may be two of the, are, are they the best duo in the league? No, LeBron and Davis are. Are they the second best duo in the league? And they're in the conversation in the top five duos in the league, and they just couldn't get it together. 
Well, time off sometimes can help that. We know this. We know the 76ers have the talent to compete with anyone on any given night. We also know that together they are kind of a head case and they can't seem to find some unity. The time off may not cure that, but the time off might help it a little bit. It might help it just enough to turn around and say, okay, let's have a conversation about this. The Sixers at 27-1 is an intriguing team. Here's the problem with both the Sixers and the Heat. They both have massive home records. Massive. I mean, their home records are dynamic. Sixers can't win on the road, and the Heat, not so good on the road. Well, you take away the idea that they might not be playing in their home building. Or if they're in their home building, they may not be playing in front of fans. And I'll go on the edge and say, both of those things probably won't happen. I don't think we're having them play in their own building, and I don't think they're playing in front of a, a full stadium. So how much do the fans matter? How much does the home court matter? I think it matters a lot when you're talking about two teams that absolutely dominate on their home floor but cannot win away from home. I think it matters a lot, guys. Massive. So I'm staying away from the 27-1 Heat and Sixers based on the fact that these teams can't win on the road. They only dominate at home, and a lot of that home field advantage is going to be negated because of just the reality of what, where the world is right now. I can't imagine a situation where we get back and all of a sudden everything is just the same. Filled stadiums, here we go. No, that's not happening. Which brings me to the Denver Nuggets at 25 to 1. 25 to 1 Denver Nuggets before the year began, I sat back and I told you guys I love the Nuggets, right? I love the Joker. I, I had him uh, him and LeBron to win the MVP. I took shots on them at 10 to 1, 11 to 1. I love the Nuggets. But the Nuggets are as good as the Nuggets are. A lot of that has to do with home court advantage. Now, they're a very good team. I'm not taking that away from them. But the thin air in Denver and the tired legs from other teams coming in and going to the altitude, it all helps Denver. It all helps their record. You take that element away from the Denver Nuggets, and I'm sorry, but it's an impactful thing. I didn't like the Nuggets anyway. With uh, They just didn't live up to expectations this year. I do think they're a dangerous team, but I think that the home court and the lack thereof is going to hurt them. I could say the same thing about the Jazz. Jazz 24 to 1 odds are in the same boat for me. Uh, the Jazz are a very good home team. Now, defense travels, but their defense ha had not looked good for a lot of this year. Not what we thought. Rudy Gobert, uh, you know, uh, you say what you want about him off the court, right? For the antics he did during the coronavirus and all that. But Rudy Gobert is a great player. Do they have enough offense? They would have to live and die on pure defense, defense, defense. I don't think they have enough offense to compete. And when you're relying upon defense, 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 I got to see that great defense. Night in and night out. And I didn't see that this year. So 24 to 1, not enough to tempt me. The Raptors at 24 to 1 seemed like an interesting idea. I couldn't believe how little they lost with Kawhi Leonard. They were playing amazing. Siakam has stepped up. This is a team that has stepped up. But it reminds me of the Raptors teams before Leonard got there. Very good regular season. Who's getting the ball down the clutch? Well, Kawhi clearly did. We watched the three-pointer from the corner, and we watched Kawhi lift this team up and put him on his shoulders and win a championship. They needed Kawhi. They still need Kawhi. Now, oh, by the way, with the travel restrictions in Canada that I mentioned and the problems in Toronto, I don't think that we're going back home to Toronto at all. 
at all. And you can remember the sights of the crazy Jurassic Park outside and all the fans and all that. And I think that this hurts them as well. So now we're getting into, uh, I guess, the elite teams, right? The top five. The Celtics have been moved to 20 to 1. Guys, I, I'm, I'm a Celtics fan, and I kind of like the 20 to 1. I believe when you come back from this layoff, coaching is going to be paramount. When I talk about sports, I always say, look, obviously football are the most coaching, right? That is the, the prime coaching that's out there. After that, baseball has a little bit. I think a good manager can win or lose you 10 games. 10-game swing, but in the playoffs, it becomes a little bit better. In the NHL, I think, uh, you know, coaching is kind of the same sort of situation. I think coaching in the NHL is probably second to the NFL. And in the NBA, coaching doesn't usually matter during the regular season, but during the postseason, it certainly does. I think Brad Stevens is somebody that I have faith in. I liked where the Celtics were going. Oh, by the way, the Celtics were banged up. Small injuries, guys missing a, a day or two here, guys missing a week or two there. Conceivably, after this break that we have, the Celtics could walk back onto the court with a superior coach and a healthy team. That, at 20 to 1 odds, has me pretty intrigued. At 20 to 1 odds, that has me saying, hmm, right? Things that make you go, hmm, that is a decent shot right there. Let's go to the Rockets at 12 to 1. Yeah, I don't see it. I look, their style, this new small ball, run it up. It could work in spurts. And it did work in spurts, but it worked in spurts against teams that defensively didn't have tape on it and teams that defensively didn't know how to control it. Now, look, there's nobody on any courts in America. The Rockets aren't in gyms and there's no teams that are in gyms developing uh, strategies, but guess what? You have coaching staffs on Zoom every night talking about how do we stop this small ball of the Rockets. You have coaches that are sitting home. How many guys out there are sitting around bored and you're watching Tiger King and Netflix, right? That's what you guys are doing out there? Well, NBA coaches are breaking down film day after day after day after day. And if you're a playoff team and you're breaking down film, well, look, what happened with the Rockets? Look, they switched things up. They changed things. They went to a small lineup. I didn't have time to prepare. Now let's find the, the holes. Let's find how to utilize what we now know. I think the Rockets get massively hurt. I think that they, that, that they had an opportunity to maybe win a couple of playoff series just based on the fact that people didn't know how to control and how to handle this new dual-headed, fast-paced, small-ball attack. I, I thought maybe they did, but I think this layoff destroys the Rockets. I, I see no value there. Let's get into the big three. And the big three all have pretty terrible odds for a betting situation, but let's talk about them. The Clippers, you lay 100 bucks, you get $340 back. It's a little bit more than three to one. You know, I think the Clippers are the best team in the NBA. I do. Load management won't be a problem for Kawhi Leonard any longer. Uh, you know, it just won't. They're going to be healthy. They're going to be fresh. But somehow I worry about a team going into a playoff series that just didn't have enough time to play with each other. But they didn't have enough time to be on the court with each other. They didn't have a full season to gel. They have a half a season, or a little bit more than a half a season to gel. Now you're taking your big players and your big guys and the guys that you want the ball at the end of the game, and you're asking them 
to know what the next guy is going to do, to know what that player is going to cut, where is he going to be. Have that when you only played a small portion of your, your life with them, a small portion of the year with them, and then you move on and you don't have basketball for a month, two months, three months, whatever it's going to be, and then you get dropped back on the court and... Kawhi Leonard's supposed to know what his teammates are going to do. And oh, by the way, because of load management and because of what the Clippers have done, um, they got less games together than any other team. The starting five of the L.A. Clippers have been on the court less together than any other team that I talked about. Well, except for the Nets who still haven't been there. That's a problem. Unless you believe that this league boils down to no coaching, no chemistry, and strictly and purely athletic ability, then you have an argument with the Clippers. I think this hurts. I think this has to hurt a Clippers team. Now, again, the health reasons, uh, you got to be happy if you're the Clippers health-wise. Eh, forget about load management. Kawhi's back. He's going to be healthy. And they were resting him and sitting him, and they now get this giant chunk but guys, I think this is a problem. I think this hurts the Clippers because they never got enough games together with Kawhi Leonard. You know, they they just didn't play it. Uh, you look at how many games Leonard played this year and how many games he played with the team that he has and the system that he's new in and the coaching and the pass, and you put it all together. Guys, he played 51 games this year. 51 games he's had total with this team. Now, you could say, well, he played 60 last year uh, total with the Raptors and won a championship. He did. He did. I mean, it's a nine-game difference. But when you, you really look at the the minutes, 32 minutes a game, I just don't think that, that these guys have been together long enough. That's my opinion there. And... If the Clippers were five to one, six to one, seven to one, I would say okay. But a three and a half to one is not enough. And I'm going to say the same thing about the plus two seventy Lakers. I think the Lakers are in the same position now. All I've heard is Laker fans, and and I have a lot of Laker fans following me on Twitter because I do a lot of radio in the West Coast in Las Vegas for years. Okay, and Laker fans are loving this off. They're loving the, the, the fact that it's off. Oh, yeah, LeBron's going to get healthy, and LeBron will be fine, and Davis is going to be great, and, oh, everyone's going to come back out, and everybody's loving the Lakers. And I will tell you, my initial reaction to all of this was exactly the same. Wow. I thought that the Lakers were giving a little too much for the regular season. I thought they were pushing a little too hard for the regular season. And they started to, I guess they needed some load management, and they didn't have it. Well, here all of a sudden, we'll rest their legs, and we're going to rest the guys that need it. And LeBron doesn't have to play you know, his ridiculous minutes every night. I get all of those arguments. But I again go to the idea that you have two alphas in the room. And Anthony Davis has been told he is no longer an alpha. You are now a number two. You're the secondary to LeBron. Well, that's all fine and good when you're playing on the road, uh, you know, against the Knicks uh, on a Tuesday night. That's fine. But when you're in a playoff spot and your back is against the wall, is Anthony Davis going to still be okay with Le deferring to LeBron? Is LeBron going to be able to dish it off? Look, say what you want about LeBron. Greatest ever, all this stuff. I've heard all the news. LeBron James has a problem with people. LeBron James gets coaches fired. Players don't want to play with him. 
It doesn't just go away. Now, I'm not saying that they can't win this, but at plus 270, a team that was thrown together, a team that I don't know how they're going to react, I'm not putting plus 270. No way. I think it helps the, the health status. I don't know about the chemistry status. I don't know about the timing status. So they're in the same position. The shortened season has to, has to, has to hamper somewhere in some back of your mind. And then the last team in the Bucks, The Bucks at plus 240. The Bucks are plus 240. They were the best team in the East last year. Now, they lost in heartbreaking fashion to Kawhi in a situation that, you know, they should have been representing the East last year. Giannis is the best player in the sport. He just is. Giannis is the best player. He's going to win the MVP. If they give out an MVP, he's going to win the MVP award this year. Giannis has two years now. The Bucks have two years where they're the best team in the East. The Bucks have two years where their team is generally the same, coached the same, played the same. They have two years where Giannis, their number one player, is the best player on the court every night. Two years of success, two years of winning, two years of back-to-back knowing how to handle the grind, knowing how to handle the playoffs, knowing how to handle and handle the superstar. They have two years and there's a reason why they are the favorites right now. They are in a weak Eastern Conference. It is a weak East. Now, are the Sixers a little dangerous? Sure. You know, they could could potentially be dangerous. Are the Celtics a little dangerous? Sure, they could be. Toronto could be dangerous. But overwhelmingly, the Bucks are the favorites. Overwhelmingly, the Bucks should roll to the finals. And when you get to the finals, whether you're against Kawhi or LeBron or, you know, maybe the Joker or the Jazz or the Rockets, whoever you're up against, you are now looking at walking into the finals from a betting perspective, walking into the finals with the Milwaukee Bucks at plus 240 to win the series. That's pretty good odds. And that is if you're going up against the big boys. Listen, upsets happen. Things happen. A short and weird season. Things happen. I like the idea. That at plus 240 odds, I get a team that comes from a weak conference. I get a team with the best player in the NBA. I get a team that has been the best team in their conference for two years running. I get generally the same team for two years in a row. Would you rather have, just put it on a flat surface, would you rather have a team like the LA teams that have 50 games together or a team like... Giannis's teams that have 150 plus games together. Give me the teams that know each other. Give me the players that know each other. How to react? How are they going to work? So yeah, when we're talking about bet to the future and we're looking at the odds, the Celtics at 20 to one are an intriguing number. That is an intriguing number. It's an intriguing number because of how big the number is. Right? That is an intriguing number. But that's more of a shot in the dark. You're hoping there. That's more of a hoping situation. That is not a win situation. That is that is a hoping situation. And it's an odd situation. I mean, let's just be honest. That That's what that is. It is an odd situation. And that's fine to bet on the odds. But the best bet right now is still the number one team in the league. And the number one team in the league is often never the best bet. It just happens to be in this spot. And the best bet in the NBA this year... If you're going back in and you're taking into account some factors that we cannot determine, and those factors are playing in empty stadiums 
And those factors are playing in empty stadiums and playing in a situation where you may not play at home. And you're basically saying, who do I like on a neutral court? Who do I like in an empty stadium? Who do I like that has the most consistency? Who do I like that has the most collaboration? Who do I like that has the same kind of players, the same mindset, the same coaches? Who do I like? Ladies and gentlemen, I like the Bucks. When all is said and done and the dust settles, the L.A. teams that were thrown together before the year as superstar teams, those teams worry me. They worry me because they didn't even get a full season. They'd worry me with a full season. They didn't even get a full season in. There are teams that could be dangerous, but they are dangerous on their home court. I don't know if they'll be playing on their home court. Maybe they'll be playing in Vegas. Maybe they'll be playing in Atlantic City. So there are factors you must consider when you rebuy into a futures bet like you are here. And when we rebuy in, the Celtics at 20 to 1 are intriguing odds, but the team I'm putting my money on are the Bucks at plus 240. I have a hedging opportunity. I like the gelling. I like the consistency. I like the best player, and I'll take the Bucks. All right, guys, everybody out there, stay safe. I'm Tom Barton for Wagering Week. We'll be back, and you can bet on that. This has been a presentation of the Sports Garden Network. To be a part of the show, call 1-855-4-GARDEN. That's 1-855-442-7836. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter at Sports Garden, G-A-R-T-E-N. Get all your credible sports intelligence 24 hours a day by visiting us at sportsgarden.com. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So... No, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.